Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter. Everything sports betting hot tanks. Everything is on Twitter under that account. On Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore for everything sports betting. If you guys are on Instagram interested in becoming part of the team, DM me on that account. We will start the process. For free fantasy football takes, for daily sports takes on Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy and for free horse rating racing picks big day of horse racing today have some stuff from Gulfstream, tampa bay aqueduct golden gate santa anita at etof 21 sports underscore horse underscore racing how is everybody doing today for april 3rd can you guys fucking believe it it's april man time is flying we got the final four going on tonight later in the show obviously jump into my thought process for those games. Last Monday, I obviously wasn't there just because I just was getting back into town. I spent the week at my parents' place just to kind of help them get ready for spring. And I felt that I couldn't do a good enough job giving you guys intel. I will release a podcast this Monday, though, when I will dive into the national championship game for the men's. So that will be coming out this Monday. Also, no NASCAR this week. I want to thank Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports for coming on, giving out free winners. If you guys aren't supporting them, please make sure you do. Also, thanks to my boy Gino Bacala for having me on, spitting my NBA crazy thoughts. College basketball picks, appreciate the support. Always enjoy coming on and talking sports with you. I'm on every Thursday on the That's What G Said podcast. Gino and I, we talk a little NBA, who's hot, who's not, stuff going around the league. Great conversation last week. Talking about the Nets, Harden, J.J. Redick, the Raptors. Great talk. Make sure you guys check that out. So I had a couple of you guys, before I jump into all my sports thoughts, asking why I'm not bringing up the little lady anymore. Well, sad news, boys. Me and the little lady, we ended it. Actually, I ended it. Um, Broke up with her, so now I'm a free agent. After a couple weeks, I have decided to download dating apps. First one I downloaded was Bumble. Started swiping, matched with this beautiful woman. Her and I were talking back and forth. I thought it was going well. I was like, hey, we should meet up, get a cup of coffee, talk a little bit. She replies, I'm totally chill with that, but just so you know, here are my rates. And I was like, rates? Rates for what? For having sex. So my illustrious return to the dating app, the first girl I matched with was a freaking prostitute. I matched with a fucking prostitute in a motherfucking dating app. How is that even possible? So needless to say, the app has been deleted. Um, Maybe in a week or two, I'll go back. But I just kind of found it funny. The first girl I matched with on a dating app was a prostitute. So I just told her thanks, but no thanks, and was on my way. So that was my illustrious return to the dating app. So me and the girl were through, but that means, you know, it's going to be a wild summer with me getting in a lot of trouble, especially with stuff opening back up. But anyway, let's jump into the show. I know you guys are here for sports. Um, I'm going to give my preview of the final four. I'm going to tell you guys my thoughts on the games, each game, and any bets I have locked in. I'll talk about the women's final four, which happened last night. I'm also going to talk about the UNC coaching search, talk a little Texas Tech, who should be their next coach, and the troubles that they were have. Plus, I will talk about my thoughts about betting baseball, 
and also the crazy situation which is going on with Deshaun Watson. So the, for the first game, we got Houston at Baylor. Everyone who's listened to me rant about the Final Four, or have it be, not the Final Four, excuse me, the NCAA tournament, have it be on my show or Geno's show, knows how I feel about this Houston team. I think this Houston team is a complete and utter bluff, and their game is always first one to 60. Baylor's the best three-point shooting team, not in the tournament, in the country. So they can fill. They're going to get plenty of open looks in this Houston zone defense they play in. Anytime a team hits over 10 three-pointers, Houston loses. So I just really feel Houston's not going to need to be able to have their blueprint for a game and have the first one to 60 win mentality against this Baylor team. They just have too much too much firepower on offense. And also on defense, this team had three, three all-defenders. First team on the Big 12. It is just insane to me. I was able to lock this in at minus four and a half. I think Baylor runs away with this, wins by eight. It's a three-unit play for me. I usually only go two units, but I've upped it to three units. The only three-unit play so far of the NCAA tournament was Drake first round against Wichita. And that hit. So that is locked in. I Like I said, I just really think Houston's not going to be able to score enough points. I question their offense, and Baylor defensively can keep with them. Baylor only had eight turnovers against that Arkansas pressure and the Arkansas defense. If they're only had eight turnovers against Arkansas, which is a better defensive team than Houston, they're not going to be turning the ball over against this Houston team. So I wouldn't worry about that. I've locked in the minus four and a half. I'm confident, like I said, three unit play. The other game is a little bit more dicey. In terms of upsets, I could see UCLA in my head. I could see a way the game plays out for them to win. Slow tempo, they have shot makers, they have guys that can shoot threes. The big thing is, is when UCLA doubles Timmy, are those role guys from Gonzaga going to be able to hit the three-pointers like they were when they played USC? That's the million-dollar question. If they are, Gonzaga is going to roll. If they're not, this game could be a dogfight. And I'll give credit to Mick Crowen. He's got these guys playing, and he's giving them the blueprint to win. Make the other team defend for 30 seconds, close to 30 seconds, excuse me, and then just run good sets, getting open shots, and they have three guys that can create off the dribble and create a shot. That's why they are able to beat Michigan. Michigan has zero guys that can create off the dribble, and that's why losing Rivers was such a big thing. And it's crazy to think, UCLA was down 14 to Michigan State. Now they're in the Final Four. They're down 14 to a Michigan State team, and I know a way too much about Michigan State basketball than I should, and now they're in the Final Four. I mean, credit where credit is due to Cronin. So with that being said, I don't expect them to come out shell shock and dig a hole like USC did. I expected this to be a gritty fight. I really want to take this first half under a 69. I expect, though, because it is a Final Four game and the public does like betting overs, I expect the total to start creeping up throughout the day. And I will look to the first half under if it gets to 70 and a half or higher. That's kind of the benchmark for that. But... This game should be a dogfight. I can't wait for it. I really hope UCLA can pull it off. I have no stake in the stake in it right now. If the line gets a little crazy, maybe I'll get involved. But as Arizona showed us last night in the women's final four, you got a team that plays good defense that can stop in offensive firepower. Anything's possible with how limited the team is on offense. And let me speak on the women's final four real quick. 
If you guys aren't watching this, you're insane. Those two games last night were great games. Great games, especially because we hit our bets. But that Arizona, Arizona can defend. They have a point guard in McDowell, McDonald, excuse me, who can go right, go left, make a jump shot, dribble drive. When two's run at her, she hits the open player who has an open look. And they defend the whole length of the court. I mean, they are going to be a tough out against Stanford. And Stanford had a tough time going against South Carolina and the height of South Carolina because South Carolina was blocking so many shots. I still can't believe South Carolina, they missed a layup and a putback for a win. Those two games were great. And we're getting a Pac-12 rematch. This will be the third time this team, these teams have met. So with that being said, I can tell you guys right now what I'm doing in that game. I'm going to be on the first half under, game under, Arizona first half, Arizona game, Arizona money line. I love this Wildcats team. I love that McDonald girl, the coach. She has them locked in. She has the us versus the world mentality. And I'll be honest with you guys. She is using the fact that that the NCAA didn't put Arizona in at all, at all, for the promotional video and using that to their advantage. This lady, the coach, she is able to get inside those kids' head and motivate them like none other. I love this spot for Arizona. I am locked and loaded. Right now, the line opened up at 10. I'm just going to be sitting out. Hopefully, we can get a little bit more on that price and lock it in and be ready to load. Some other big news in college basketball is one of the top-tier programs in the country's job, North Carolina, opened up with Roy Williams announcing his retirement. That move kind of caught me a little bit off guard. Now, there's a lot of people coming out speculating who the new coach will be. Now, looking at it, making my list... I have the guys that I think are going to be considered. Number one, we got to cross Jay Wright off the list. Same reason why he didn't take the Philadelphia 76ers job. Why would he leave where he's the key of the key to the castle? He is the king of Villanova. Not, he, he can't do anything wrong. Kids are lining up to play with him, controls the recruiting up north. Why would he leave? It makes zero sense for him to leave. And you can argue that Villanova right now, that tier is a, just their program's a tier below where North Carolina is. So I really don't think Jay Wright is going to leave. Another name you hear popping around is Billy Donovan. Why would Billy Donovan, who's in the NBA right now, move back down? Now, I know you guys are like, well, Eric, some coaches like go to the NBA and then come back down. But that's like the Patino, the, the John Calipari, those guys that went up to the NBA level and they couldn't translate their coaching from college to NBA. Donovan has showed that he's been able to do that. So why would he leave? It makes zero sense when you're at the pinnacle of coaching basketball, coaching the NBA, and you have a young team in the Chicago Bulls, which just added a great asset the center from the magic, why would you want to move? Why would you want to go down? It makes zero sense. Now, granted, I know since they made the trade for Vucevic, they've been struggling, but adding him is another piece, and this team is definitely going in the right direction, and Donovan has shown he's capable of taking teams, taking a superstar team. you got to remember, he had Durant and Westbrook within one game of the finals. He took that Oklahoma City team, to the playoffs last year, and they were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league. 
Now he's got this Bulls team battling for a playoff. This guy can coach, and he's transitioned successfully to the NBA. So it makes zero sense for Donovan to go back down to North Carolina. So you got to cross Billy Donovan off the list. The next coach, Brad Stevens. Now, Brad is kind of under a microscope right now because the Celtics are greatly underimproving, underachieving, greatly. This team has been a disappointment. Some people were banking on this team to win it all, and they just haven't been there. They are really struggling. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown haven't took that next step. I've talked about this at length, guys, so I'm not going to go into that. But I will tell you, if Stevens didn't leave Boston to go to Indiana, which he said has been his quote-unquote dream job, why would he go to North Carolina? It doesn't make sense. And also, if Stevens is fired from the Celtics, he is perceived, and rightfully so, one of the better coaches in the NBA, there's going to be a team that comes in and swoops him up immediately. So he's not going to be desperate to go back down to the college game. It makes zero sense for him to leave. So all you guys, especially like, and I admit it, like the North Carolina job opened up right before I went on with Gino. I said it idiotically. But once I sat back and I was like, dude, why would he leave? It makes zero sense. So I couldn't, that was my mistake, so I apologize for that if you listen to the Gino Bacala show. But it makes zero sense for Brad Stevens to go back down to North Carolina. And another name that's getting a lot of traction is Kenny Smith. I, I'll be honest, I really don't think Kenny Smith is going to go down and coach. And a couple things. Number one, everyone's always like, well, he's an, a- an analyst. It's going to be easy for him to go down and coach these kids, is it? Like, that doesn't transcend coming on and breaking down what's going on in the court to coaching 18 to 20-year-old boys, that's a whole different world. I've heard interviews from Kenny Smith. He was adamant he wants to work in the front office. So I really think he's going to be waiting and he's going to try to get one of those front office jobs in the NBA. I really don't see him leaving that cushy job at TNT. He's got a great setup. He's got TNT. And then he runs his basketball camp, and which is a huge success. So with how he has it set up, I really don't see him leaving unless he gets offered one of those NBA executive jobs. So now I'll talk about my top three candidates. These are the guys I really think they should be going after and guys I can't see taking the job. Number one, obviously, Jerry Stackhouse. Now, before I mention these guys, it's important to remember. Now, granted, I know there hasn't been a lot of coaching turnover at North Carolina, They seem to get a guy and stay with him for a while, unless it's Doherty. But anyway, it's been six decades since they've hired outside the North Carolina umbrella. So obviously, they're going to hire somebody that has ties to the program. So number one, Jerry Stackhouse. Stackhouse, I know his record at Vanderbilt is only 20 and 37 in the SEC. But it's important to remember with Vanderbilt, the first thing when he goes to these AAU tournaments is he has to ask these kids what their SAT score is. Vanderbilt is an Ivy League school competing in the SEC. It's completely unfair with the academic standards that that school has for them to compete with these other schools. So the fact he has a top 20, top 20 recruiting class next year with those limitations 
on him, and he's got ties to the AAU circuit, makes him going to UNC a home run higher. He's going to be able to to produce top recruiting class after top recruiting class because all those restrictions that he has at Vanderbilt are going to be gone when he's at UNC, and he has the Stackhouse name. Ties to the NBA. That's a no-brainer if I'm North Carolina. The next guy is Wes Miller. Wes Miller actually played for Roy Williams from from 04 to 07. He's now coaching at UNC Greensboro, so he obviously has ties to the program. And what he's doing at Greensboro, five straight 20-21 games, two straight NCAA appearances, and, you know, they played Florida State tough. He knows what it's like to play for North Carolina, so he knows what is expected. And he has ties to the program. Another guy, which I feel would be a good hire if they can't get Stackhouse. Now, the last guy, and granted, I don't think he's going to get it because the more and more I think about it, they should have probably hired, announced him getting the job if he was their guy right after Roy stepped out, was Hubert Davis. Okay? Hubert Davis has been an assistant since 2012. So with that being said, I don't think he's going to get it because he's been there for so long and they didn't announce it. But he's played there. He was an All-American there. Did they, he? I know he led him to the finals. I don't know if they won it when he was a player there. He's been an assistant. He's been on a coaching staff that has won it. So I think that would be a good hire if they can't get anyone else. But the fact that they didn't announce him right away to be the replacement tells me that they're going to go in a different direction and not hire Hubert Davis as a replacement for Roy Williams. So just to review, obviously, Stackhouse would be the top guy, followed by Wes Miller. Those would be my top two guys. Um, another interesting job opened up with the Texas Tech job. Chris Bird going to Texas to replace Shaka Smart, who went up to Marquette. Bird does have ties to the Longhorns program. I get why he's leaving. But the thing is this. He has taken that Texas Tech team to heights that were unimaginable. Championship game, Elite Eight, repeated NCAA tournament appearances, where making the tournament, that's what it's expected from them. Being a team that could make a run, that's what's expected from the people in Lubbock right now. So when you replace someone like that, it is hard. That job is going to be a hard task for whoever replaces Chris Bird. Remember at Indiana, when Knight left. Mike Davis came in. Davis led them. Did they? I think to to the Final Four. I think they won it that year. And he still got run out of town. He led Indiana to the promise, and he still got ran out of town because he was following the greatest coach ever in program history. So that Texas Tech job is going to be a fucking tough job, and a job where if I was a coach, I would kind of hold off. I mean, a couple names that are being thrown around. An interesting name, Calvin Sampson. Sampson's coaching Houston. Sampson's a dirty guy. He does illegal shit. I I know he's doing illegal shit at Houston right now, getting those guys coming there to that program. He has coached at the highest levels, has been in the NBA before, you know, with big programs. But I really don't think with the history of him being dirty, I really don't think he is going to be a candidate. Texas Tech probably won't hire him. Also, Another guy, he's the king of the castle right now at Houston. He can't do anything wrong. For him to take a fall for that program's success, 
I don't see happening. There'll be a fall guy. So I really don't think he'll leave Houston. Mills from Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts had a great run. But the one thing about Oral Roberts is, I mean, what were they? They're the three seed in the summit. You have a guy that's obviously going to play in the NBA in Amos as your point guard. So you can kind of make the argument that this guy had the talent that was over underachieving. I know he's got ties to the Big 12 and everything because he used to be the coach for, for Drew down at Baylor. But with Oral Roberts really kind of underachieving, I really don't know if that would be the best guy to hire. Kyle Keller from Stephen A. Austin, that's an interesting choice. He spent 20 years as an assistant coach in the Big 12 with Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Texas A&M, so he's familiar with the league. He's done a good job at Stephen F. Austin. I think that would be a good little hire for uh, Texas Tech. Uh, Joel Golding, the Abilene Christian coach, of course, they had the big upset over Texas. They play that smash-mouth, hard defensive style that Texas Tech is used to. So that would be a good hire. Or they keep it in-house and go with one of the assistant coaches, Mark Abrams, who's, God, he's been a D1 coach before. He's been right by Birdside, tough defensive coach. So they have a lot of options. But I'm just letting you guys know that whoever replaces Bird is up against it because replacing a legend is hard to do. And Indiana showed showed us that. When When you replace someone that takes your program... To the fucking pinnacle. Replacing him is a tough task. Now some of you obviously are well aware of MLB started on the first. We had a great first day. We hit the Blue Jays, the Tigers. We had those two parlay and we had the Rockies. Now I'm having people ask me, Eric, how do you do MLB? Well obviously I have numerous factors that I go in. I have spreadsheets with how teams and individual players hit against right-handed, left-handed, day, night, all that jazz. So I have all that stuff that I factor in that I look at. And those spreadsheets are easy to very easily to set up so you can see the data of where teams struggle, where teams thrive, and whatnot against certain type of pictures, day and night splits, all that jazz. But that data, I don't have enough on that data yet. That data is slowly coming in when I get a two-week sample size I'll be able to use that data more. Now, a couple other things I do. One of the systems I have is if a team has lost three straight up and three against the run line, two or more, I will look for that team on the run line. So a team that has lost three games in a row and those three games were by two runs or more, I will look to take them in that fourth game. I'll be fading a pitcher that is pitching in Coors Field for the first time. Why is that? Coors Field, Denver, Colorado, high altitude, ball sales. It takes one start for you to get used to that and experience how different that is than pitching in a regular MLB field. Another one is rookie making his first start. These hitters aren't used to the action. They're seeing this guy for the first time. I will definitely be on a rookie making his first start. It's just something I do, especially if it's one of these left-handed rookies because obviously hitting a left-handed pitcher is harder than hitting a right-handed pitcher. So that's definitely something that I look for. I also fade the public. I mean, I know this is, people are don't like this, but if someone is getting over 85% of the action, I will look to go to the other side just because betting isn't that easy. A lot of people hop on these heavily chalk prices and I'll just go the other way. You guys have to remember, everyone that I play 
at even money or higher just drops down my ROI point. So I hit three big dogs. So already my ROI point for the end of the season is dropping down because I what I hit up what plus one seventy six, plus one eighty, plus one eighty three. So the more I hit of those, my ROI point just drops. Also in terms of totals, if a team plays and the next they let's say it's now this is for every place except for course field. If a team plays and let's say the game is like 14-8, no, excuse me, 14-10, both teams score in double digits. The next game, I will look to go to the under five for the first five. Just because I'm going to bank that it's not going to be another high scoring game. And they will, since they went to a lot of relief pitchers the game before, the starter will go a little deeper and not have that short string when he'll get pulled. And then also another thing is you guys just need to know what's up and understand what is happening. I have a Twitter account where I have, follow certain beat writers for MLB, NBA, NHL, college football, NFL, all the sports I bet. Why is that? So I know the information. So I can just go and I can just kind of read what's going on. I read some stuff on Kershaw, and that's why we faded Kershaw in, in that Rocky game. And it, from what I found out from Dodger B writers, what they're saying about Kershaw is why I, I faded Kershaw and why me and my guys won money. So when I go to bet baseball, I mean, I have these systems I just laid out, but I also have data like hitting against right-handers, hitting against left-handers, night and day, all that stuff. And all that stuff is what I used to factor in. But if you guys are looking for a capper to follow his or her plays, if you don't like betting dogs... I'm not your guy. I don't play anything over minus 125. That's just the way I am. Because I know anything over minus 110, my ROI point raises up. I'd rather have my ROI point raise down, play the bigger dogs, and then make it easier to make money in the long run. Last year for MLB, we finished, I think, uh, God, what was it, 20, 26 units up? And our, IO, our, our percentage of wins was 49%. Why? Because we were hitting big dog after big dog. So when you hit the big dogs, your ROI point drops. It's that simple. That's my thought process when it comes to betting MLB. If you guys have any questions, you know, feel free to hook me up. Last thing I want to touch on, you know, in this week's episode is this whole Deshaun Watson thing. And this thing is just blowing my mind. Number one, we have 20 different accusers are coming out with sexual assault lawsuits against Deshaun Watson. 20 different women. That is insane to me. 20 different, different massage therapists. I mean, either this is the biggest attempt at character assassination in the world, or Deshaun Watson is a fucking pervert, dude. He's got some serious fucking mental issues. And I have never met Deshaun Watson. But everything I read, everything people say, he's one of the most stand-up guys in the world. And I will be so utterly disappointed in someone, I have no no idea anything about him. Besides what I see on the football field when people tell me, I will be so disappointed in that kid. Just because I expected more. I mean, you A, you can't treat women like that. Now, granted, is the whole timing suspicious? Yeah, the whole timing is suspicious. He doesn't want to be in Houston because of the owner and Ecclesby. But now you have an attorney who's friends with McNair, who has all these women bringing up lawsuits. Now, granted, finally, there is a police report filed. Now we're going to, stuff will start proceeding in the court of law instead of a lawsuit. But the the whole thing of this 
is just very weird to me. Now, don't get me wrong. If this is true, Watson shouldn't be playing in the NFL, and he should be going to a therapist to get the fucking necessary help he needs. But if this is false, that Texans owner, who is probably behind all the, everything, he should be forced to sign the team. I talked to two friends in Houston, one guy, one girl. Both of them basically said the same thing. They think they say Watson's a great guy, does a lot of stuff for the community, and they're very skeptical about the timing, and the vibe around the city is that this is a setup job on Watson. Both of them said the same thing. In fact, the female I asked, she went more in-depth about what a great guy Watson was and how her and her friends don't believe any of this at all. It is just... it. It's crazy to think that this could be true. I hope it's not, but it could be. And I don't know. I don't want to, like... If this, if those women went through that, that is awful. Watson deserves everything coming to him. But if they got paid off to make it, make it up, God, you know, it's just I, I can't even wrap my head around it. it. It blows my mind. Either way, this turns out, either Watson, the hugest sex fiend in the world, or he, this is the biggest attempt in character assassination. But we have to remember, we all have demons in our closet. Every single one of us. You guys listening, me, we all have demons in our fucking closet. I mean, you guys saw with Tiger Woods, what happened to him? And his whole sex scandal. Djokovic. Djokovic's sex scandal was pushed under the rug. But he went through that hiccup where he couldn't win a match because he was cheating on his wife and all this stuff. And then there's that... Instagram live post with him bitching Djokovic out that got deleted. Those top guys, like, they are some weird dudes. And maybe Watson is like Djokovic, like Tiger Woods. Maybe he's not. I don't know. I mean, I'm so interested to see how this turns out. And I'm going to be utterly disappointed in Mr. Deshaun Watson if these accusations are true. That's it for today's episode of the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You know, we'll have Final Four. We'll have some baseball picks today. We'll have horse racing throughout the day. They'll be posted for free at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. Be safe. Be well. I will be back Monday with a detailed preview of the men's national championship and who I will be betting in the game. Until then, everybody.